what the hell are we talking about? Um, whiny people and their stupid complaints that we requested they send us. Why do we do this? Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> None of which matters in this equation because it is his choice to carry such horse shit on the fucking train. And he was yelling. He was like, move that bitch, move that bitch. And, uh, and uh, I wasn't, I wasn't. I'm just not. I'm not moving it, you know. I've arrived. Why should I move it? So exciting. Hey, Mutiny Radio listener, it's high noon on a Wednesday here in San Francisco, California, but it's 8 o'clock in Glasgow, Scotland with Choose Poetry, Choose Life, and your hosts, Andy Talbot and Aaron Gannon. I'm Pam Benjamin here on the AltaCast. We've turned into a poetry reading all summer. It's amazing. I've got new work. I've got old work. I can't wait to hear everyone else's work. We got Beth. We got Holly. Holly hooks, she heard my story last week and she's like, I have an illustrator. How would you contact him? And I'm like, wow. Life changes through Zoom and people are connecting across oceans. So please enjoy this cope. We're going to be right back with Choose Poetry, Choose Life from Glasgow, Scotland with Aaron Gannon and Andy Talbot. Again, I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. Thanks for joining us on mutinyradio.fm in .sf. Thanks for donating. Go to our Venmo, Mutiny Radio, all one word all lowercase, or go to our website, mutinyradio.fm, and click that GoFundMe button. Some anonymous person just gave me $104 last night. Thank you. Keeping the station alive. All right, enjoy some Kope, the Japanese Bjork. We'll be right back with some amazing poetry. see everybody okay oh there i can see everybody
Yeah. As long as you don't start with me, it's fine. <laughs> no, I won't. Not me either, because I haven't got the books beside me. That's very well. <laughs> <No. unfortunate. laughs> um, okay, so, hi. This is hi. Choose Poetry, Choose Life. Uh, if anyone hasn't been here before, welcome. Uh, thanks for coming. Uh, we don't really have rules. I'm not going to go into the rule that I just kept repeating. No, I am. Fuck it. Don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah, I'm left. Uh, I can't promise anything. Um, yeah, so no hate speech um, of any kind. Don't talk down to any specific or unspecific peoples. Um, I think the thing I said that I won't repeat is all encompassing on the word. You know what I mean? Just don't be a dick. Yeah. Hi. Um, <laughs> you should start placing bets on how many times you say the word dick every week. We should do that. It's like a running call. <laughs> we should do that. And then, yeah, that would be fun. Because then I, like, I, would, I would probably pick a random number and try and fit them in throughout the night. Um, <laughs> I might do that. Uh, great uh, money for me, Janine. Do, yeah, I might. Like, don't be a dick sweepstick who gets guesses the right amount of times. Yeah. Oh, we, sh we should definitely do that. Um, yeah. See, I didn't want to say it because it just always leads to getting off topic. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, introduce yourself in terms of pronouns. Um, feel free to politely or impolitely correct people as you see fit. Um, that is entirely up to you. Just... Yeah, anyway, we'll crack on. So, up first, we have Leslie. Erin uh, is not here, or if she is here, she's also working. Um, so, it's uh, just me and Pam. Right. Um, okay. Hi. Hi, I shall begin. Um, yes, this, um, this poem's called The Mezinsen, and um, I think I'll just read it. Uh, Partly, it's about that moment that I had when I was about 12, 13, when I first heard Bob Dylan sing Mr. Tambourine Man. And that was the moment of my awakening. I had an epiphany. And that song has stuck with me my whole life. It's a magical, sort of transcendental, amazing um, lyric and song. And this is a tribute to a dear friend of mine who, like many of us know, um, was sort of a bright light, a bright candle who burned himself out young. And we all know people like that. So it's a tribute to that spirit, that transcendental spirit, and um, him particularly. Evan Park, and in general, um, those spirits. So I'll begin. One, bring me your broken tambourine, and I won't ask you twice where you've gone. Dead, but not dead, you were alive, and I praise you. Bring me your broken tambourine. I will not settle for dirt or a drink. Not gone, but arising. I peek strange but not unfamiliar. If you wait, the longing subsides, the floaters call to you again, respond or not, 
too. You are the herald. You are the trumpet. I am listening. Climb up your wall at night. Climb up, climb up. You hang off your balcony with one arm crooked and hang there waiting, hold there, hold fast, wanting, waking, awakening the world. At night you howl. You're crazy, mad, pure, joy, deep, love, pain forever, alive forever. You live forever. You are alive forever. I knew you. I know you forever. Hang tight on the balcony, overlooking the world, waiting to awaken, waiting for awakening your mad love, crazy love in the deep night. Three, they waited for you with sticks at the bottom of the stairs. I will be your witness. I, I was your witness. I am your witness, still now watching, only watching. Too close the fisheye lens, mezzanine, twisted, surreal, distorted, too close, too far, out of reach. I could not help you. I cannot help you. Only watch. Close as your mother, whispering little songs in your ear. Far away, the droning chants of saints, distant as stars and cold as the guards who stand by you, unmoving. Who am I to interfere? Who am I? You are on your own, as you wish on your own as you want, standing guard, watching. You are too far away, I cannot reach you. You are too far away, I cannot reach you. You are too far away, I could not help you, I cannot help you. Lashed to the mast, handcuffed to the back of the police truck, the sirens screeching overhead like Odysseus. You endure, I beg them, please beg them for you. Beg them to hear me, don't take them away. You don't understand. He's just a little bit broken, just a little bit, not completely, not totally broken. You have to understand he loves women. He really loves women and that makes him whole and perfect, whole and perfect. And that is right and good and just. You don't understand, but they took you away anyhow, anyhow, for, it has been more than three days and you are not out of jail. Where are you? I am waiting. You are late, my friend, very late. It is your personal magic three-day resurrection trick when you emerge out of jail again, golden, unblemished, unscathed, not a scratch on you, and you rise up always. It's no joke. It's not funny. No laughing matter that you are late to rise up whole and perfect and alive again, golden, your dogs at your boot heels, fluffy and Bruce Lee. Fluffy, who is not so fluffy, your joke. I like your jokes. Can it be now you are gone, broken to bits by the sticks and the rocks and there ain't no glue? <sighs> ain't no glue that can put you back together again. No resurrection this time. Your fight with the fight is your fight. Your fight with the fight is how you know you were alive and how you knew you were going to die. You knew it and you did, you died, broken to bits with the sticks, with the rocks and there ain't no glue, ain't no glue that can put you back together again. Five, what did it mean to you that day at the rocks, the old rocks, how quiet you were, how they stooled you and the little pool and the fish, the tiny creatures feeding on, feeding off of your skin of your feet, how funny, how amused you were, what deep sense it made for you that you would be fed upon and how still you were and accommodating, understanding the deep sense 
the deep cycle of things and your part, your part in it. I loved you so deeply at that moment, as deep as the still pool. They came for you again with the sticks that day on the beach, any beach, every beach. They came again that day with the sticks. You saw them behind you, beside you, in front of you, walking, following you, following me, their boot heels to be wandering in the sand. Keep walking, you said. Keep walking and don't look back, you say. Don't look back and you keep that smile on your face, okay? Protective, protecting me from the sticks and the rocks that came for you. You led them away from me. I will meet you later somewhere. I will meet you later, you said. Yes, I said. And I kept that smile on my face. Not wanting to see me hurt. Not wanting me to see you hurt. Now suddenly afraid when you were never afraid. You showed me your fear. Never confused that we are friends. You showed me your fear and led them away from me. Remembering, I will keep the smile on my face. Remembering, I wait to see you again. No fear, my friend. Only the stars that shine at night, of which you are now one, shine bright. That was amazing. Thank you. I got legitimate chills like five times. The broken thing. Oh Oh my God. The glue and the. Thank you. Now it's a it's a tough poem to read, but um, also it's a celebration of his spirit um, and the spirit of everyone who is like him there's so many of us and um it's a tribute so thank you for listening no thank you um so next we're gonna go to finn that's okay okay i I wrote this one just the other day um after the or speaking to my reading um, the wonderful Blackbird Flies blog, because she actually suggested as a, a challenge to write, is to write uh, a poem about, uh, or write something about a childhood toy, memory of a toy or something that you had. So fortunately I did, and this one's just called Toy. When I was a child, it was the late 50s, less wild, post-war, things were new. I had American relatives, I still have, but then America was seen from here as bright, as modern, as cool, color TV, big cars, big ideas. At Christmas, we got gifts, we, my brother and me, a book, a big red fire engine, big and red and long with firemen on the running board, and Davy Crockett t-shirt, colored wooden bricks of different shapes, My brother had a metal hurdy-gurdy that was kept uncovered in the cupboard with his towels, in the hot tank cupboard, but that is his memory. But most of all, from a distant auntie in New Jersey, a car, no, three, ten taxis, metal wheels, as a toy, ideal, painted black, painted brown, painted black, driver painted in the side window. Now I can hold in one hand, yes, 
I hold it in my hand, not just in my head, just one. I don't know where the other two have gone, but this one, one sleep, black with gold striped down each side, low, not wide, and three windows in each side. The driver, well, he wore, he still wears a cap. <clears throat> the registration still visible, GTP 519, right above the words. Made in England. So did it come from America? Break, bright, shiny America? And is my memory failed? My past thwarted by what I think it should be? I can't recall where it really came from. At least I still have the car. Have a good time for another, another one? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, all right. All right, this one is actually it was written as a story years ago, and it was actually written unusual for me. I've got a date, and this was written in January 1987, so it's quite old. It's called Shh, Quiet, Please, Mouth at Work. Occasionally, throughout my undisputedly varied life, I have often observed the importance of mouth, tongue, teeth, and lips at all in the process of love. Now, this may not be at all obvious to the casual observer, voyeur, if you will, but on looking further into this, we can see how deeply involved the oral edifices are. Say, for instance, some of you, someone you don't find especially attractive states that they would like to make love to you. Now take it that you don't do that sort of thing for a living. What options are open to you? You could slap the offender firmly in the face. True, but you would be laden down with shopping. You could run away. Not if you're on a crowded bus or train. So what's left? Headbutt. Yeah, great if you know how to do it properly. Painful if you don't. <laughs> now, what do you do is to tell the person to get lost or the real shock tactic. Scream as loud as you can, causing him or her all day profound embarrassment and shattered eardrums. Score one to the mouth. Relating to the act of oral sex, which we will touch upon very likely, as is better that way, very frequently we see pictures of off-film footage of a person of the female gender nibbling on a banana or sucking on a stick of Edinburgh rock suggestively. Even the sight of some ruby-lipped femme fatale licking the lips seductively over an ice cream cone. Rarely do you see a male mouth licking around the edge of a peach, scooping out the interior of a fresh fig with their tongue. Why not? Beats me. Score two to the mouth, females only. The teeth play an important part in the nibbling of the erogenous zones that, when fondled by the hands, or more correctly, the fingers, don't react so sensitively, e.g. the earlobes. Quite why this is, I'm not sure. The mouth knows, but it's not saying. Kissing, on the other hand, leaves the teeth well out of it, and they are the times do all the hard work. The tongue dips in and out, occasionally to give assistance. Mouths, where would we be without them? Me, whenever I don't quite know what to do with my tongue, I place it firmly in my cheek. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks, Dad. Uh, really good. That was great. Yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was awesome. That was really fun. Thanks. Um, so, I'm going to go to Steady. Well, I need to make you co host first. Okay, can everyone hear me? Yeah. Good, 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 good. Yep. Well, sorry I've been away a couple of weeks, uh, but one I was actually away, and the other one, um, my wife's folks came round and it all got get out of that one. So um, uh, I've got a poem for you. Hopefully you've never heard it before. Although I'm not very good at uh, remembering what I've done and what have I haven't done. Um, and this one is called the Zodiac Knight. Apologies to anyone who is Scottish, uh, but I am also Scottish, as you can hear from my Doncaster accent. Uh, Doncaster belongs to Scotland since King Stephen sold it to them in 1136 or whenever. <clears throat> so here we go. The Zodiac <clears throat> Knight. The name on the surgery breastplate was covered with ivy and furs. The words Dr. Sharp were there somewhere, but to read it, you'd need secateurs. <laughs> For the third time that day, a car drove past, but this time slowed down and then stopped. And out stepped a man with a briefcase, who went up to the door and then knocked. There's nobody there, a voice rang out, which belonged to an old passerby. Dr. Sharp died a year since or longer, so unlikely to give a reply. Of course, said the young man, just checking. This is my new place of employ. The name's Nilsson and I'm his replacement. And the old chap's face up, lit up with joy. A new doctor at last, said the young old man as he carried the doctor's valise. We've waited so long for your coming. Are you Scottish by any degrees? No, uh -huh. not at all, said the young man as he looked at the dust in the room. Well, let's not give up hope said the old man, and he went to fetch Mrs Muldoon. Mrs Muldoon brought her vacuum, her mop and a very wide grin. A new doctor at long last, she cried out. Are you maybe a Caledonian? I'm Leopold Nelson from London, born and bred where I took my degree. And to prove it, he hung up his diploma on the wall where his patients could see. That night there appeared in the window the new surgery hours on a sign. And by the next morning, the waiting room was heaving with patients by nine. Surprised by the local euphoria, the good doctor took it all in his stride, but the absolute absence of ailments did leave him a bit mystified. It seemed they were all very healthy and filled with a joyful ferocity. And the only condition he could cure was his patient's intense curiosity. They all smiled at his birth date and lineage. With every small fact he relinquished, his hobbies and interests entirely, except for the fact he was English. <laughs> by the end of the day, the poor doctor was bewildered by the Scottish topic. So was the whole village just racist? And if so, then why so philanthropic? 
Each one had offered him kindness, donations and presents of plenty, from bouquets and wild game and biscuits to cakes, drink and verse complimentary. When finally the surgery ended and Leah went to the shop in the village, the grocer would not take his money and insisted it would be delivered. Every item he placed on the counter brought on str such strange nods and whispers as the only true choice of a Scotsman, from mini Kievs to Rice Krispies. Until the poor doctor exploded, I am English, of that I have no doubt. But how that affects my tooth, my profession, or my toothpaste, I cannot work out. And into the street he went running, full of anger, confusion, and stress. And there at the church was a minister who seemed to discern his distress. What ails you, my son? <laughs> which he spoke in a broad English accent, which seemed to encourage the doctor to vent his bewildered lament. Whilst explaining the recent happenings, Leo was led through the church's main gates, where he couldn't help noticing several details which seemed out of place. Instead of the usual icons, all the church's interior features showed scorpions, bulls and crustaceans, and other strange mythical creatures. The font, it was forged like a crab shell, the candles all balanced on scales, a brass centaur armed with an arrow and bow stood next to a goat with fish scales. I see you are admiring our stained glass of Capricorn in line with Venus. Leo listened intently, but then asked, but I noticed no pictures of Jesus. The minister smiled before saying, we're not about him or the popes. Our religion is based on divinity, astrology and horoscopes. The stars and the patterns they follow are accurate truth-based devotions. They foretell the way to the future, to the paradise formed by such notions, which leads me, of course, to the reason as to why the townsfolk should inquire about your true place of nativity is they're hoping that you're their messiah. <laughs> a solstice, a two-headed weasel, was born in the waxing moonshine, and a comet crossing Aquarius is such an encouraging sign. When zodiac night falls tomorrow, as Neptune transcends Ursa Major, a Scottish-born healer called Leo will be crowned as our worshipful savior. Dr. Nelson cried out, but it's madness to predict life from star group positions. I'm a man who's devoted to science. Only fools believe superstitions. I'm no more of a god than the next man. I don't care what your star charts might say. There's no part of me that is Scottish. And with that, he went out on his way. That night, Dr. Nelson woke sharply to rhythmical beats from the wood, a torchlight procession and singing boiled his senses whilst freezing his blood. All the next day he was haunted by the sounds and the sights in his head. Howls of strange creatures and symbols filled Leo with hypnotized dread. Until he regained his composure, he awoke in a long flowing gown, tied up to what looked like an altar, with folk chanting strange songs all around. In the distance, the sun was just setting, and the vicar held a flaming torch bright, shouting, Now comes the end of our waiting. He has come on this zodiac night. The stars have long told of his coming, and have finally sent us our wish. A local-born healer, our saviour, Leo shouted, No way, am I Scottish? 
The vicar shouted, the stars have shown us the way to distinguish the true chosen one who will lead us. Leo shouted, I'm quite clearly English, said the vicar, and according to scripture, we shall honor our Lord good and true with a virgin each night for his pleasure. And Leo shouted out, Okai the new! And suddenly Leo was blessed with an accent like Robert the Bruce, and remember that his auntie Morag had shown him her Edinburgh tattoos. So was born a new religious order based on stars and how they align, led by Leo, the one who was chosen, who got quite used to being divine. Dr. Nelson still practices daily, but his methods are now more refined. He's learnt that with science and magic, it pays and can open. Brilliant. That was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, you haven't done that one, love. Oh, that's really no. good. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> that was Thank you very much. That's our statement, that aren't you? <laughs> Just look like a bear. I knew there were so many virgins up here in Scotland anyway, so there you go. <laughs> well, well, yes, yes. Oh, that was fantastic. Um, so next we're going to go to Karen. Can you hear me now? Yes. Um, well, to keep up the theme of accents, um, I'm going to do a, I'm going to start off with a prose, a very northern prose, and it's called Me Mam. Um, can, you, can you hear us? Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, me Mam. Um, Mam, I'm not taking a brolly. Mam, man. I'm not wearing a coat. It's sunny. It's England. Yeah. What's so funny? Well, don't come crying to me when you catch a cold. You're not staying off school and I'm not sending a note. Listen to me. You'll regret it if you go out without it. Oh, I doubt it. Well, don't start complaining when it starts raining. It won't. I'm going out. So I then. I will. So I do. And get soaked. Now you're inside. You've put on your coat. Now take it off or you won't feel the benefit if you mm -hmm. don't. <laughs> what? Is this some sort of joke? Why would I want to take off me coat? No, I'm glad for the extra layer. It is cold in here as it is out there. And another thing, will you stop fighting with your brother? I've had it up to here. I've had my fill with your ma. 
Mom, tell him. Mom, what's for tea? I'm starving. I'd eat anything, me. Berry sandwiches, beans on toast, even a fishy on a little dishy. I wish I could cook like you do. What's this? I'm not eating that. Are my ears deceiving me, miss? I wasn't expecting this. Won't accept this ungratefulness. That is my daughter. You ought to be grateful. You have a plateful and have more than enough. But don't forget, you can always like it. A lumpy pet. Uh, uh, the next one um, is really that one was about my daughter, <laughs> and this I wrote also about my daughter. She's not talking, <laughs> not putting a quote on, not talking, and it's called communication or segregation. I'll talk to you, I'll text you, I'll write to you, I'll Skype you. When? When will we next converse? Well, converse is a shoe, so I think your memory's getting worse. Ma'am, where am I going? <coughs> where, who am I phoning? What's for the third degree? Ma'am, how am I feeling? Well, you'll know when I send you this emoji. Look, will you stop sending me links to sites? and chain mails, and games, and the likes. I'd rather you didn't all the same. I don't care when it's my name's day. So I was saying, I know, tomorrow's me brother's birthday. No, I don't need you to buy me a card. No, it's fine. I just write on his timeline. Why should I wait? Till I go home to check my messages on my landline. No, my phone is my lifeline. I'm literally in the middle of a virtual conversation. It's really interesting and dead fascinating. I don't care how many shares you have or comments or pictures of you and your boyfriend Mike or if you're bothered that I didn't press like. What does it look like I'm doing, ma'am? I'm taking a picture of my food. What's the matter with you? You seem in a bad mood. You keep interrupting my texting. If you're talking, well, that's rude. I don't know what you'll do now you've run out of luck and killed your crops on Farmville. But it's true, I still don't give a flying look. I know you seem upset, ma'am. Is it because I haven't posted the selfies yet? Never mind, ma'am, I will do it now. Just text me which ones you like the best and when we can have a catch up next. With Facebook, Skype 
snapchatting and retweeting tweets. We're not always in the same room. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, in Durham, where I live, like every year in July, I've like you probably heard the big meeting or the galas, the galas, the uh, galas meeting it's called. But of course, this year, like a lot of things, been cancelled. There was none. But there's a lot of official speeches, banners, and lots of things to do. And I wrote this poem, which is a poem, it's a prose, uh, for my blind friend. I write her a lot of poetry. I did write her one when we went to the seaside once. I think I wrote, read it out in here. And she asked me to describe the big meeting. And so this is for her. And it's called Guide Me Around Durham Big Meeting. At the heart of the city, our landmark cathedral, the castle wall, and Cuthbert starting his journey, and that's not all. People adding to the rushing, pushing, already ever-growing crowd. Good food, great mood, young and old, so much to do, having a brew, having a laugh, having a beer, hearing the nearing brass bands, marching sounds, Mams holding kids' hands. Shut for now shops, kids drinking pop, and lots and lots of candy floss. Orders of ice cream, chips, and mushy peas. In that order, please. Um, more parading banners, representing the different colouries. Grandpel and Lippens, the meaning of the banners they are seeing. More parading men lining the streets, thinking of way back when. Friends meeting and greeting, listening to the speaker who's speaking. Cobble streets, riverbank, riverbank picnics, regatta races, face painting, boat races. Parents trying to console toddlers who decide to throw a tantrum because they don't get what they are wanting. Trying to get them to hush up, at the same time trying to ignore the sigh and disapproving looks. Night outers dancing to music from buskers. Mothers queuing for buses with those I've had enough of this faces on. Giggling, linking girls, rushing into pubs, sharing a joke, but never a quote. Singing out loud, queuing at pubs entrances, girls with belts or skirts on, lads and lasses before they catch a taxi, eating chips, pizza, kebab, and all that jazz. Rubbing against what was once freshly showered skin, but an hour in, the smelling. A lad tells the taxi man he can't pay, says he's dropped his wallet, or has he? Thank you. Mm -hmm.
Thank you, Karen. Karen. So next we're gonna go to Carolyn. Hi there, hi, hello. Um, hi. It's been a long time since I was here. Um, quite a lot of new faces. So um, yeah, I'm gonna share a couple of pieces with you. Um, they are gonna touch, I was thinking what you were saying at the beginning of the session, saying don't be a dick. Um, I'm not gonna be a dick, <laughs> but, I'm gonna touch on, but I am gonna touch on things that, um, to do with mental health and absolutely if I offend, I do not intend to, I intend to explore, but if I do um, cross a line, you must tell me, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, okay, so I'm gonna do two pieces. The first one's called Existential COVID-19 Crisis. It starts with an email from Medical News CC that arrived unsolicited in your mailbox late January earlier this year. It asked you, what if your depression, your anxiety, your schizophrenia, your personality disorder is quite simply an existential crisis? It wasn't messing about, and it certainly made a change from the usual spam. Now, of course, you knew, or at least you thought you knew, that this was clearly just a random case of clickbait on a virtual fishing pole. And yet, somehow, you felt there was really someone out there trying to reach you, even if it was just yourself. That by some weird algorithmic alchemy beyond your comprehension, your search engine results had generated this email as the answer to all your Google inquiries. You held that thought for a moment or two, and then you filed the message in your folder marked, etc., to be looked at another day. It is May, June, July, August now, and you think to yourself, if you're not having some kind of existential crisis with what's going on in the world right now, well, then perhaps you do have a personality disorder, such as the email alluded to. So you dig out the email and refresh your memory of its contents. As your local newspaper reports, many people have more time on their hands these days. You like the way schizophrenia rolls off the tongue. You like its psychedelic trippiness. It's so much more technicolor than clinical depression or anxiety. Anxiety is too jaggedy, too sharp, too raw, too cutting. Bipolar is kind of cute and comical. It makes you think of white bears and drag. Look, there are mental health issues in my family, so I'm allowed to make jokes like this, aren't I? But back to the email at hand. As you read the first paragraph, you wonder who wrote this and where you might find a job like this. It is pretty good copy. It reads well. It says, an existential crisis may occur when a person frequently wonders whether or not life has any inherent meaning or purpose. A person may also question their own existence within a world that might seem meaningless. Well, yes, you can't really disagree with any of that. You decide to check existential in the dictionary. It's one of those words you think you know the meaning of, but you're now beginning to wonder. You consult your daughter's old 2013 edition of the paperback Oxford English Dictionary. Only when you open the cover, you see your name written there and wonder if it really is your daughter's or if it's yours. You give yourself an existential slap and remind yourself not to lose your head over something quite so trivial. The definition reads as follows, existential adjective. 
One, relating to existence. Two, relating to existentialism, adverb existentially. It's far from satisfying. So you read to the next entry. Existentialism, noun. A philosophical theory which emphasizes that people are free agents responsible for their own action. Existentialist, noun and adjective. This is better. You can work with this. You declare yourself an existentialist for the day through all channels currently available to you. Postings on Facebook and Twitter announce that you're free to do what you want any old time. After three glasses of wine, you barge into your daughter's bedroom and announce ab fab patsy style, I'm an existentialist, darling. She bats one eyelid and continues with her internship or whatever she's doing. You wake up with an existential hangover and like any good existentialist, realize you are responsible for your own actions. After checking for drunken tweets, you pour yourself a coffee and head to Wikipedia for further enlightenment. <laughs> That's my first Have I got time for one more? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. This one's a bit shorter. Okay, this is called um, Another Woman Walks Into the Sea. Another woman walks into the sea. I'm at that point in time where if I was reading a fictional account of myself, I would know the obvious choice, which could be any of the following, depending on the main character's fatal flaw. Please, no, really, no, no please just don't ask that old chestnut of a question, as cliche as the old chestnut itself, about how much have I drawn on my own personal experience in this novel? If I wanted it to be a memoir, I would have said so. I'm not writing about me. And even if I am, it's none of your business. Do you get that? It's not so hard a concept, really, believe me. But back to where I was. Another woman walking into the sea. <coughs> to avoid a more realistic ending, where in spite of all the advances made in women's rights, somewhat like our biological makeup, we still have the hunter within us, but no animal to hunt. Giving the hunter a packet of frozen sausages will not quench the bloodthirst. Giving a woman the right, no, the insistence that she work and raise children and look fucking fabulous in her high heels will never put her on an equal footing. But I digress. Perhaps that's all our lives really are, a digression. So to return to the fictional character, or rather me at that point in time. Did I say this wasn't about me? No, I just said don't ask that old question just because I'm a woman. But don't distract me and stop distracting me with all the latest political and social economic issues of my time. I'm really just trying to get on with my life as best I can. I'm at that point in time where if I was reading a fictional account of my life, I would be screaming at myself to take just one day without a fucking drink. I would be sympathetic empathetic but deep down I would fail to understand and find you rather pathetic which I am empathetic sympathetic pathetic why does another woman walk into the sea
That was fantastic. That really was. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Uh, oh, thank you so much for coming along as well. It's yeah, that's no, great. I wish I, I'm sorry I've not come more. I've been, I've been moving no, past okay. sitting in my old dad's office with his drinks globe and half these boots are not mine. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, oh, okay. <laughs> Half of them are gardening and, and golf boots. Just don't zoom in. It's just, it looks more impressive in <laughs> <from> the distance. <laughs> um, so, next we're going to go to Holly Jackson. Hey. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Hi. Um, okay, Hi. so I, I have... Oh, God, no, that's just me. I need to turn it back to the gallery. Oh, do you want me to turn it off, yeah? Yeah, well, it's fine. It's just so that I can't see myself. Um, right. So, yeah, I have three poems this week. Um, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to explain them because I just don't think they need, it, they need, they need much context. Um, apart from to say I've had a fucking weird week. <laughs> really, really, really weird week, and unfortunately not in a good way. Um, so I'm just going to read them and <laughs> just let people draw whatever conclusions they they draw from them. Um, the first poem is called the worst one, and it's called the dress up game, and it comes with trigger warnings for sexual exploitation and drug abuse. <sighs> dress-up game. Nine and dressed in white, flowers in her hair, dressing up like your daughter. Did you think about it then, on the day you married her mother? Later, dressed in pink and party hats for her baby sister's birthday. Was she beautiful to you then, as she helped blow out the candles? In her teens and dressed like trouble, mini skirts, secrets, and scowling eyes. Was that when you watched her? What did you say to keep her quiet? A perpetually innocent child, trapped in a game of dress up until the day she died. Adult, addict, whore. And you, playing your own dress up game. The grieving father, the patient saint, the wolf in sheep's clothing. You absolved yourself of any guilt, washed your hands like Pilate, playing the Good Samaritan. If I still believed, I'd pray you were in hell. That's the first one. <laughs> like I said, I'm not a very good week. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, the next one is called Rotten. Um, and I wrote it at about 3 a.m. on Wednesday night last week, or Thursday night last week, when I couldn't sleep because I had really bad toothache. <sighs> Waking up at 3.30 a.m. in such intense and acute pain that I think maybe the Victorians had it right when they ripped the teeth out of the heads of their womenfolk to make them more marriageable, more low maintenance. Letting the pain wash over me, sitting in it, drinking it, rolling around in it, focusing on it, 
embracing it until all I am is pain, ache, deep, intense, complete, throbbing agony, because I deserve it, because you still love me, because you would never hurt me, because when you asked me, won't you be lonely when it's nighttime and she's in bed and you're here all by yourself, won't you be lonely? And I couldn't tell you the truth, that loneliness alone is preferable to loneliness with someone else. Thank you. And the third one I haven't typed up, it's on my phone. So excuse me, I'm reading off my phone. It's called, I Heart You. If I were to say it, you might take it wrong. So I won't say that four letter word that I've been feeling pretty strong. I'll just say harp instead. I'll send you little red emojis of a woman's rear end. Like saying that word aloud would be admitting that you're more than just a friend. So I'll say it this way. I heart you. Sorry, so if I say it this way, I heart you, please don't misunderstand. I don't mean it the way Shakespeare would or even Steely Dan. I'm not declaring my intentions or my plans for future bliss. I'm not after promises of monogamy sealed with a kiss. When I say I heart you, I mean the person that you are. I heart how much we talk. I heart your sense of humor. I heart your smile and all your scars. I heart your kindness and your integrity. I heart the way you make me treat myself more kindly. I heart how you always know just what to say to make me smile and brighten my day. I heart that you're so uncompromising that it made me want to be uncompromising. And so I stopped compromising. I heart how you make me feel. I heart your eyes, your voice. I heart the time that we steal. I heart that little rush. I heart the way you make me tingle in all the right places and how much you love it when I blush. I heart how the mere suggestion of you can turn me on. I heart that Wimbledon in it just for fun. I heart that you're in my life. I heart you. And I know that if all this heat between us should someday start to cool, we'll have simple friendship, no need for pretense. And you'll understand what I mean when I say, I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. That was, that was incredible. Oh, she's muted. Um, thank you, though. Thank you. Um, so we are. Yeah, we're supposed to spike my video video for everyone. Would you like a minute to make up? All right, is it me? Yeah, so we've got um, Mark Wilkins with us tonight um, to do a few songs. Um, so yeah, just take it away. Looking forward to this. Well, this one got written last night, so I don't know how good it's going to be. Little gunshots at 3 a.m.
That's a little rough, guys. Sorry. I thought it was good. <laughs> I enjoyed that. So fresh and new. one's a little older. It's something that was the first thing I wrote in a few years. Um, it's about our granddaughter being born. The youngest one, and so I tried to name all the grandkids. It's called the Granddaddy Rag. Sitting on the bed singing, Granddaddy Rag again. Come 
Um, you can do another two if you like. Contraption. 
this one's called I Got. That was awesome. Lovely. Wonderful. Thank you. That was fantastic. Um yeah, thanks for that. Um please put any any links or where we can listen to your stuff again uh, in the chat if you would please. Yeah, because I, I really want to listen to them again. Yeah. 
Um, I guess yeah. my wife will put in the YouTube stuff. Sweet. No, that that was that was brilliant. I love that. Um, so what we'll do now is we'll take like a time is it ten past? Come back at like twenty five past. Come back earlier if you want. It's not up to me. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll start again at twenty five past. Um, so yeah, take it a bit. Hey everybody, you're listening to Mutiny Radio. Here we've been plugged into Choose Poetry, Choose Life from Glasgow, Scotland. Awesome stuff, beautiful music. We just heard from Mark Wilkins. Super exciting stuff. Thanks to Andy Talbot and Aaron Gannon. She's not with us tonight because she's working her tushy off. But they both set this up. We've been doing it for months here co-hosting from halfway around the world to mutinyradio.fm and .sf. So thank you all for listening. We are going to be back with more poetry and amazing wonderment and truth and light and all of that joyous kind of stuff in 15 minutes. Until then, I will play some music and stuff here on Mutiny Radio. Hey, thanks for donating to Arco Fund Me if you enjoy the programming that you hear here on Mutiny Radio. And you say, wow, I'd really like this to exist beyond October 1st of 2020. We have a GoFundMe up. It is at mutinyradio.fm. You can click on that GoFundMe and help us stay alive. If we get to our goal, um, it's been for the whole year, basically. We already got the original 5000 uh, but we're trying to get to 15000 over the whole year because that will help us stay alive through 2020, which would be amazing if we could stay bringing you free speech and radical self-expression, news, music, comedy, all of that. If we could continue bringing you that, we'd like to. And that's we as in me as in the queen. <laughs> and, you know, there are a lot of people putting shows together still here. There's a couple shows that have been paying dues and holding it together, namely Let's Watch Full Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl on Sundays. Also, Nathan Retzloff of The Final Hour is coming back on Sundays. We have uh, Unique Radio on Mondays. They're still around. Bug House Square holding it down on Tuesdays. Also, Racers Alley is in the mix. Thank you guys for sticking around with us here at Mutiny Radio. Also, House of Pride. Flat Black Plastic, and Labor and Love, along with all of my shows <laughs> that I'm <laughs> holding down and holding together. Oh, also the weekly review with Roman Reimer every Friday from noon to two. He, amazing. He's so wonderful. He's been doing this show here with us forever. So thank you so much, Roman, for holding fast with us here at Mutiny Radio during these difficult COVID times. So thank you for listening to us during these difficult COVID times. And again, Go to our GoFundMe on our page, or you can Venmo directly. Hey, that's great. I love that. Mutiny Radio, all one word, all lowercase. That's our Venmo. Uh, And if you want to help us out, please, please do, because I don't know. I I think this is important. (laughs) What else am I going to do with my life? Cool. So let me get some music together. Oh, hey, I know what we'll talk about before we get to that. It is the Oakland Unicorn. If you've been 
your local person. Support the Oakland Unicorn. They're amazing. It's a new comedy venue in Oakland uh, on Telegraph, uh, Northgate kind of area. And you can look them up at oaklandunicorn.com. You can get tickets for this week. Headliner Matt Gubster will be doing some headlining sets. Also, Sandra Risser, exciting woman in comedy here. I'll be hosting on Thursday, maybe Saturday. I don't know yet. Uh, Maybe Sunday. But whoever gives me a ride gets a set. So (laughs) I didn't make that clear (laughs) to to people. But yeah, if you give me a ride to Oakland Unicorn, you're getting on the show. Come on, drive me, please. Because I, I mean, I can't take the part. I just rather not. Also, I mean, once I'm over there, I can get it. Anyways, this is all neither here nor there. What you should be checking out is oaklandunicorn.com and seeing all of their shows Thursday through Sunday. It's an outdoor COVID-compliant venue. Everything's six feet apart. We're washing off microphones and using condom, microphone condom covers and wearing masks and being safe. So outdoor comedy there in Oakland at the Unicorn, thanks to Frosty Nugs and Soul Sausage. Thank you, Soul Sausage. So check that out, Oakland Unicorn. Check out what's happening here at Mutiny Radio. Every Friday, we have an outdoor show at 7 o'clock. It's for the neighbors. It's for people in the neighborhood. Last week, we had like 40 people. It was great. Nobody was gathered. They were all distanced. It's a clean show because we are projecting loudly to the neighborhood, and there are kids around. So we respect our neighbors here and love them at Mutiny Radio. Thanks for letting us stick around. Thanks for supporting us and every... Friday, you can support us at 7 o'clock by not gathering, but staying six feet apart and listening to very, very funny comics and me. (laughs) This week's going to be guest hosted. I'm going to be around, but I'm doing some corporate gigs. So I'm going to be like in the booth doing a corporate gig and while the show's going on. But please still come out. All right. I will put some music together for us. Actually, I'll play the Mutiny Radio commercials and we'll be right back with more Choose Poetry, Choose Life with your hosts, Andy Talbot and Aaron Gannon. I'm also a co-host, Pam Benjamin. I get to read. I get to read after the break. I've got new... I've got new poems. Of course I do. I had a magical weekend. Magical. Magical weekend. Lost my phone? I don't care. Sometimes you have to sacrifice to the gods. Sometimes to have so much fun. You have to lose your phone. Something needs to be given up for something to be, uh, you know, consumed. And my phone was sacrificed to the fun gods. And I'm okay with that because every second was a pearl. And I got to write a poem about it. I have a billion poems to write about this weekend because it was just so... And I wrote a song. When do I write songs? I don't write songs. Who does that? I know a lot of people do. I wrote a song. It's embarrassing. Not singing it on the show. That's for later. It's for my movie. No, I don't know what I'm talking about. Now now I'm just off the rails. Uh, Thanks for listening to Mutiny Radio. We're going to be right back with more poetry. A podcast. Are ye on a raft without a pattern? We'll gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm. 
From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Anti-Trump is the antivirus or antibody to the Trump virus. We're a global alliance of humans standing up against the Trump brand. Antitrump.com started four years ago on March 19th, 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better world. Nobody thought it was going to be this bad. Most of us probably figured it would just be four more years of the same old... He was a 70-year-old babbling Nimrod. How bad could it really be? Treason is the last of his felonious activities. The Trump brand has hijacked our government and sold Lady Liberty to the mob. We are a leaderless and without the most basic health care systems and community services. COVID-19 is a pandemic, but the Trump brand is the virus. Welcome to the antivirus. Go to antitrump.com and spread the word. Individual politics aren't important. What is important is that we stand together as a unified voice and say enough is enough. That's antitrump.com. Welcome to Strictly Bad Vibes, your personal complaint department. Um. What, what the hell are we talking about? Um, whiny people and their stupid complaints that we requested they send us. Why do we do this? Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> None of which matters in this equation because it is his choice to carry such horse shit on the fucking train. And he was yelling. He was like, move that bitch, move that bitch. And, uh. And uh, I wasn't, I wasn't. I'm just not. I'm not moving it, you know? I've arrived. Why should I move? I don't like what work has been giving us at our free lunches. 115-340-1976, and it does not spell anything. 115-340-1976. Go for it. Call in, guys. Mutiny Radio.fm Streaming live to the station Mutiny Radio.fm 
of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground Comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. 
But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. We're hosts of... Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and watch the movie at the same time. Yeah, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, 5%. Five yeah, percent right. I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show. Five p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh, uh, da, 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 da. let's watch full length. All right, let's do a full minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See, ya. See you next month. What's up, Oakland? Have you been missing out on live music and comedy? Remember Killer Dinners? Don't worry about a thing, because Soul Sausage Presents Pan Dementia has brought you the hottest, freshest, sexiest new beast in the Bay Area. The Oakland Unicorn Speakeasy Comedy and Dinner Club in Koreatown, Northgate. Featuring comedians from NBC, MTV, Comedy Central, Soul Sausage TV, and YouTube. Tickets and packages, showtimes, and information are all at oaklandunicorn.com sponsored by soul sausage retisk electronics and true healing collective grand opening weekend august 6th through 9th featuring kabir singh and xander beltran tickets on sale all right friends and fans of comedy comedy books poetry Where am I? What day is it? It is Friday. Friday, it's Wednesday. Oh, God, I'm all messed up. We're back. We're back with Choose Poetry, Choose Life. Andy Talbot hosting. uh, I'm your co-host, Pam Benjamin. Erin Gannon not with us tonight. She's working on something important as uh, she uh, is sometimes. But we've got got more on the list. We've got people I've been enjoying every week. I enjoy this so much um i've gotten so many chills today there there are so many just beautiful images uh i feel like there's just a a, and i don't pearl necklace but but that every single one is just beautiful there's these images and they're just beautiful pearls and they're strung together and they're just like they're like sitting in my head now like a like a beautiful expensive wind chime and they're all just like chiming against one another this these all these beautiful sounds and words and thoughts and emotions and the 
the one about the broken, I'm all of it. And, and then the, the mom and the kids stuff, I was like, oh, it's just a window into a whole new world. All right, we're back. Andy, are you back? Andy, yes. are you Can back? You hear me okay? There he is. Hey. Sweet. Hi. Hi. Um, apparently, I'm, I'm to go next. Um, well, I will. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically just going to be me sat here saying, don't be a dick for two minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be fair, to, and this isn't self-deprecating, to be fair, that would be better than some of the stuff I have written before. Um, so, not all. You think you can manage the full two minutes? I don't know, but I really wish I hadn't mentioned it and then just turned up next week and said, this is a new poem, and just done that for two minutes. Um, <laughs> so, some, I hope so you I'm all have... miss that if he does it. Can somebody tape it? So, <laughs> I'll, I'll, so what I'll do... Because it's too obvious to do next week now, I'll wait and then you'll forget about it. I'll turn up one day and I'll just say that over and over again. No, I actually do have um, some new non dick related forms. Um, I think, I think. Yeah. Dick free. Um, so these first two uh, I've never read before because I just wrote them today. Uh, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna finish with another one that I've read before, but I'll explain more about that in a little while. Um, so yeah, these don't have um these don't have any names. Let's fire into them. The sun beats down hard on the motorway. Eyes closed in the passenger seat. I am serene. Window open. The breeze makes its way in, bringing with it a little warmth. Blowing just loud enough to drown out whatever it is she's chosen to complain about tonight. It's times like these that keep me sane. Those little moments, the joys of stolen freedom, like car journeys interrupted by open windows, waking early, working late, trips to the bathroom, or unnecessarily long soaks in the bath in those final silent minutes before sleep. Thanks. This next one's just a little daft one. That's not daft. It's just a little, I'm probably going to like expand on it. Um, but it also could just be a little poem. Uh, again, it doesn't have a title. Being interrupted by a cat. Aww. Hi. Hello. Yay. Yeah, it's, all, it's all right. That carpet's there. It'll be scratched. It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is just a little one. Um, two seconds. When she spoke, I swallowed every single syllable. Who knew architecture was an aphrodisiac? Though I suppose from her tongue, everything was. That's it. That's and then I'm going to finish by reading this one. <laughs> no, no, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know about that. No, no, these definitely are. These definitely are. I just, I don't know about the form. These, these are the best thing that I've ever spent money on. These, these are. Like, I, I could live in these. Like, if I could work, and oh, they're just so comfortable as well. Mm -hmm. But let's do poems instead of me talking about 
fashion. They were all night. Um, yeah, I haven't read this one in a while. Um, I'm just going to read it because, yeah, it's called George. I was driving through Sunderland city centre this morning and I could see the stadium of light. The crest on the side looked discoloured, was sun-stained and had seen better days. And I thought maybe they could put up a new one, cut the old one down into pieces and auction them off for charity. It made me think of how there's a brick in that stadium engraved with my grandfather's name. He passed away in 2013 and today I realised I don't think of him often enough. There are things though that will always tie his life to mine. He was salt and vinegar crisps, Sky Sports, England cricket and pint cans of John Smith's. I remember how when I was younger he always got the biggest Yorkshire pudding out of everyone, baked in an individual tin and everything. I think that was the first time I felt jealousy. He was T20 finals day. He was rugby league, and though he supported Gateshead Thunder, I will always remember him watching St Helens on TV. When I was 14, he covered for me when I thought it would be a good idea to neck half a litre of vodka. <laughs> he was a harbour lad. He worked at docks in Seaham, a local who somehow ended up becoming a local in the workman's club of the Scottish town I grew up in. That's just who he was. He took me to the first ever game of football played in the Stadium of Life. It was a nil-nil draw, which is probably why I started to support Newcastle. It's a funny thing, though, that this very place is what brings it all back to me today. He is Caravan of Love by the House Martins. He is so powerful in his absence that he moved my ex-girlfriend to tears. She never met him, and I don't think of him enough. Thanks. Um, so yeah, today was like um, seven years since he died, so I just wanted to read that today. Oh. Well, thank you. That's me done for tonight. Um, and we're going to go to Pam. That was that was beautiful, and I was super into that uh, that other sexy poem. Everything from your mouth is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I wrote this yesterday, and I don't like the title yet. I'm calling it Child God, but I know that there's a thing like God Child, like Jesus was a God Child. Anyways, I don't know. Uh, whatever. Okay, I don't like the title yet, but here we go. It's in couplets. The blurriness of happy smudges on the lens and fog. There is magic in this morning, Sunday fantasy post-worship. The low clouds moving so fast and the smell of your sweatshirt. It's that feeling with Jesus. I am praying in the forest as a child. A romance with the gods, a threesome and a spirit. You let me touch your feet. If you would touch my face with your beautiful hands, so light the flutter of wings, and what kind of birds are those? Just like in the Bible pictures, a child on my knees looking up. I'm an actress, no, I'm a seagull, and my heart screams calls. Romance keep me enslaved, 
chain me up. When you smile, you are a child, but mostly all I see is God. All right. Well, there's that's the first. That's the new one. Oh, I still have a crush on a boy, and he doesn't like me that much. But he does because he still spends time with me. It's so weird when someone spends all this time with you, and you're like, every moment is magical. You must be getting something out of this, right? Like, I'm getting poems. I don't know what he's getting, but I'm super, super frustrated. Okay. This is trigger warning. Um, some really disturbing things happened to me when I was young in my neighborhood uh, and this is a poem about it so uh, trigger warning this is it's called summertime on Shanna Street the garage was cold for the middle of summer boys lingered in the rafters waiting for the show I was part of the we here to watch I was seven my brother nine it was our garage Mom never let us play in the garage with it closed. My dad didn't like us playing next door. The smarts had a car in their front yard. They parked it on the grass. Mr. Kitty killed birds and brought them into our garage. Dad shoveled the dead birds over the fence. He flipped them right next to the smarts pool. There were three Trinta boys. They rode dirt bikes down the street without helmets. They had a boar's head above the door in their garage. Steve was the oldest and organized the show. Your garage is the place to do it. I knew it was wrong. My tummy hurt. Talon, the youngest Trinta at six, stood before us. The middle Trinta, Mark, bought Christy into the cold garage. Christy was five and eager to please. Steve whispered something into her ear. He handed her three quarters and a crumpled dollar bill. All the boys leaned forward. I didn't lean. I was only there because it was my garage. We were the only girls in a dark room full of boys. Christy knelt when Talon unzipped his pants. She pursed her lips and blew air on his peepee. My mom called them peepees. Talon showing Christy his peepee was wrong. The boys laughed. I didn't laugh. No, shouted Steve. You put your mouth on it. You suck it like a lollipop or lick it like a popsicle. Christy was five. She scooted back and looked at Steve. But you said it was a blow job. I'm blowing as hard as I can. I jumped off the washer and skated away leaving Christy alone in a garage full of boys with three quarters and a dollar. Memories like the pavement. Anyways, okay, that's good. <laughs> Sorry, that's a disturbing poem. Um, Very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all I want to do today. I think I think we'll leave it with that one. I had, I have one more that's just like supposed to be just like unrequited love bullshit and I don't have to do that one especially after my trigger warning so thank you for letting me share that was like it's a really disturbing memory that I have and I and I you know so yay thank you guys girls everybody
like they, you, us, we. I desperately want Pam to like bring a book out of all of her poems. <laughs> like, I have. Like I don't know. Like I just. I have a lot of poetry. I just really do. <laughs> yeah. It's well, like thanks. it's like, like no like I enjoy everyone's stuff, but like I'm always excited when Pam says she's got oh, stuff. I feel the same way about every person in this room. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That that is true though. Like I genuinely that that's why I love doing this because I know like you sort of get to know people and you get to know their style, I suppose, and you just you do you get excited about hearing other people's work and mm-hmm. it's true. awesome. It's true. Um, so let's hear some more people's work. Uh, so we're going to go to Ken. Hello. Hi, Ken. Hello. Yeah, I've got uh, got three poems for you tonight. Um, oh, God, I'm huge on the screen. Let's get rid of that. Hang on. Okay. Um, Can't be I'll staring do. into my great mug because I'm trying to work. Right. Uh, this first one um, is about a visit to the doctors. It's called hypertension. We're here again. She all smile and small talk. I shirt half awry for ease of access as she slips, snugs, wraps and overlaps the chilly Velcro cuff, sets the machine to work, turns back to her screen. And I'm thinking this is what it must be like to be a zookeeper alone in the enclosure with too little training and a friendly python when she says it. Just breathe normally. Oh, fuck, what does she mean by that? Have I been doing it wrong? If so, how am I supposed to know? Throughout the normal breathing day, I have no idea it's happening, so have no frame of reference, no clear idea what normal breathing is. With no time to decide, I go for slow and steady, studiously. Possibly a little over deep. It feels odd, which ipso facto, if you think about it, means it can't be right. So all in all, the day's not starting well. It isn't even breakfast and already I've forgotten how to breathe. And now I'm anxious and anxiety's not good, not good at all, not here, not now, just now. It's all about the reading. Last time it was borderline. She recommended lifestyle changes. I agreed. I came out as bisexual and bought you sofa covers. <laughs> Every little helps. Thank you. That was my first one. <laughs> Thank you. Um, next poem. Uh, when I started writing this one, I just thought I was sort of taking the mickey out of my funny old habits. I never realized it would turn into what it has done. Uh, it's called A Scrivener's Logic. By rights, I shouldn't be typing this. Grown weary of keystrokes, appearing at pixels. I'm doing my best, far from level, but still, to become reacquainted with writing in longhand. Fished out and flushed out my favorite old fountain pen, bought some inks, wild colors just for the crack. And now, with the urge hard upon me, I'm off. Labels, lists, letters, and early draft poems on fat, faint-ruled office pads. God, I get through them. It makes my wrist ache, but I've no choice. I'm hooked, slave to a mad blotting thirst, long neglected that having had sup may not ever be slaked. 
my reward for this torrent of fevered endeavor, my prize for this pen and its partnering pain, an atrocity. It's like I've murdered the page with a blunt bloodied hatchet while riding bareback on a rioting elephant and simultaneously receiving electric shock treatment in midst of an earthquake. Swipe me, it's a mess. Still, it's early days yet. Who can say, in a decade or so, it might edge upon legible? Fine, even. Never, though, never will it dare compare with one syllable of your own sweet, unique script. And I ought to know, being fashioned by nature to order, curate, and preserve all that's precious to me, I've the lot, every note, lyric, letter, and child, every note, lyric, letter, I'm sorry, I've lost it. Okay. And I ought to know, being fashioned by nature to order, curate and preserve all that's precious to me, I've the lot, every note, lyric, letter and card, every jot of your pen from the moment of our first acquaintance, kept safe in a box file. One of an armful I plucked from the street years ago when a local solicitor's practice was moving. The label still says deeds of trust. As good a description as any, I guess, for the treasure it holds now. Although I, I confess, I have one I prefer. I'm scared if I tell you, you might laugh at me. It's an allegory. Were some mischievous puck to contrive that henceforth spring be dumbstruck birds barred from expression in song, obliging the creatures to play out their passion by some other means, then, in my estimation, the dance of your hand is the shape it would take. Yes, the dash, sweep, and curl of the marks that you make are like spring. There's the thing, ineluctable, true. By simple deduction, therefore, it's no trouble to reach the conclusion I've known my life through. That whatever exists and of itself speaks of spring, speaks of you. Thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, this, this is the second time I've done that poem at an open mic recently and fucked it up. I don't know why. Um, right. Um, this next poem is quite short and it's about a pair of shoes I bought recently. These shoes I haven't quite got used to just yet. These shoes, I kind of hope I never will. These shoes gave a shop assistant cause to be thankful they paid attention during that one-off diversity awareness afternoon. These shoes have never been beyond my front door. These shoes turn my 6-2 into 6-5. These shoes make walking downstairs a unique challenge for a 62-year-old 15-stone man with a compromised left knee. But, oh, these shoes. These shoes lift me up and out of myself. Maybe into myself? I'm not exactly sure. But truth be told, in these shoes, mm -hmm. I don't care. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ken.
That was incredible. Um, so next we're gonna go to we're gonna go to AJ. Okay. <clears throat> Thanks. Um, I wrote a couple of new poems this week, but um, this is not one of them. Uh, I actually wrote this back in 2015, um, and stuff that's been on the news here in the UK has kind of made me uh, want to do it again. Um, so this poem is called Sapphic. Um, it's called this for two reasons. Uh, one is that it's written in uh, Sapphic stanzas, which are a particular uh, Greek verse form. The other is that it contains elements of the 16th fragment of Sappho, uh, the Anactorian poem, as translated by Richard Lattimore. Um, as I say, it's slightly out of date. There's a reference to a Tory Prime Minister of the UK uh, at the end of it, uh, and we've since had two more of those since him, which is part of the problem. What of all things beneath the sun is fairest? Thousands on foot, or the ships sent to take them to some other island, city or border, unsettled, dispersed? Perhaps you think a fence the fairest thing seen, a thing of razor wire and steel, sun gleaming, its checkpoints manned, all processed in good order. Perhaps bolt cutters, a dinghy to go over water to land, papers, who this desperate cares if they are forged or genuine, hope lights on what it can, to bombs, what's law? Perhaps to you an antiseptic kill, a drone's hellfire payload deployed cleanly by a joystick fondled in an air-conned room in Lincoln. Better? I say the hand that reaches for another is more fair than marching troops or battleships. Light work, it should be, to make this plain to see. But people call in the name of drowned children for bombs. People say our empty land is full and praise our leader when he kills by fiat. Wham, bam, thank you, Cam. Oh, what's beautiful. Thank you, Aja. Um, so we're going to go to Beth. Oh, hello. Hello, Beth. <laughs> right, now that I've decided what I'll write, I'll get rid of my giant head. Okay. Um, I've actually switched up one tonight to read off the back of. Yes, this then a summer poem and then something else. Um, this is I try not to uh, mute myself by resting my book on the space bar of my laptop because I discovered <laughs> that was what I'd done the other week. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm talking away and nobody can hear me. Um, this is called Fourth Shift. Went out today. 
did the job, made the pay. The kitty wasn't full, so I bit back what I had to say. Came home again. Brought in laundry from gathering rain, made a meal, made a home. You do this too, seems to be the refrain. Carried a job, carried a home, carried a child under my heart, under my skin. Feel all the troubles now, try to heal all that gets in. I did all the work set, I was ready to rest, but now it seems I am responsible for everything morally reprehensible. These four shifts have left me washed up, restless in the small hours of the morning. You thought you could break me. My back too narrow to carry all the labours you place. This fourth shift, the final drift, boxing me in. We were simultaneously too much and not enough. Any rise we made must have been thrust upon us. If we are less, it is because you couldn't stand the more. Short skirt, not hard work. Low cuts, still high stakes. More for us doesn't mean less for you. If we are weaker, it is because you made us pliant with dark words. Unsolicited touch after unsolicited touch, slowly eroding like water over stone, thinned by repeated erasure from the record. But you forgot that resistance builds strength, that frustration can fuel concentration. We have owned the watch you gave us that you thought was a joke, the one you thought nobody else would want. We have watched the night turn, and now it's our turn. We have become the wires that will connect with discharge. Um, this, this next one is a summer poem. I wrote this last year. Um, it's a bit of a niche interest, but you can go Google up the sculpture. There's a sculpture called The Bell by a, an artist called Booker Groon. And last year, I don't know if it's still there because we can't go because of lockdown. Um, it was at uh, the Wildfowl and Wetlands Trust site at Snethley where we spent a day with some friends while we were visiting my in-laws. Um, it is a, it chimes every seven minutes. At least it's supposed to, although we never heard of it. We never actually heard it do it. Um, <laughs> And it marks the destruction of amounts of wetland habitat around the around the world. Um, and it's called. I, I I went. This is one of these nice happy happenstances with pretty words. I went looking for a, a bell word and found the word toxin. T o c i s i n. So this is called environmental toxin. Summer air. Full of sound, cricket thrip and butterfly, reed rustle. Here grow the rushes old, down among the swans and voles, soften lush the sedge and grass. But over this, some other noise, a ringing, calling time on those who tread not lightly but would raise and more, destroying every living precious thing, water balance, wildlife flooding. Safe haven here for wandering, as this carillon plays out its warning. I can see this place empty, surveying only decay, land drains dry for exploitation. 
creatures scattered or extinct, and still it shines this curfew, left because none knew what to do. Art somehow respected when all love for this land was erased, turned out with the estuary tide, until the acreage it counted caught up with its very existence, swallowed up by its own herald every seven minutes. Mm. And this is decidedly none of those things. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, this is one of my Nephirimo poems from this year, and it's called The Colour of Kings. It's what I'm wrapped in when you touch me. The colour all my underwear would be, so you were always on my skin. It's lavender and lilac and two-tone iris, buddlier and feeler, the colour of my bliss what I plan to wear for you when we are to meet. I thought I liked it once before until you spoke of it and it became the indicator of passion. It was her defiant hair colour, aubergine to an enemy, anything but grey as she rose beyond him. It's the mark you leave on me, the one I feel everyone can see, a tracery of periwinkle plum, sweet amethyst of love, on Fen Dawn, where the fields and trees are, tinted in magenta light, pulling away shadows to bring on the day. Mm. Wow. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, I don't think you've heard that one, Tony. That's fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. Lovely. Lovely. Um, Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Andy. Uh, Holly, that's because there's. um. Was actually sent to me when I was a new mum uh, from a Christian mums group, which is a, a, a an image of a woman with a sword, and it says, uh, "Women are the ones who own the night watch." Because we're because it's uh, because the people who are up praying over their children basically in the night, and, stuff. and I always loved that image of it being uh, that were like women who who rule the night. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, that that would work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but when you're up in the night and it's three a.m. and like, oh, nobody will shut up. <laughs> I think you're talking about a different Jon Snow to the one in my mind, who's a British newsreader. <laughs> oh, oh no, that would no. Oh no. so um has everyone read who signed up to read yeah is there anyone not read that wants to jeff hasn't oh cool sorry jeff um yes we'll we'll go to jeff all right then Okay, so what I'll do first, um, this is kind of an alternative to uh, traditional love poems, because nowadays I find it's really hard to write a sincere love poem without it ending in a stocking charge. So 
this poem, uh, <laughs> poem about just liking somebody. It's yeah. called like. Some writers say words can't.